hi everyone. Um, welcome back to Honest Academia. On to episode three. Um, today is our first podcast with um, guests. Um, I've got a bit of like nerve, nervous energy, to be honest. I don't know how to talk to people who aren't well. Um, but we today we have Jodie Parslow and Rebecca, who are the, um, they both have their own podcast called The Academinists. Oh, I think I've said that wrong. Academist. Academist. I think that's it. Um, which is about um, women in STEM. So we thought they'd be uh, really good guests to have on um, for our podcast today, which is going to be talking about women in academia. Oh, hello. Hello. Oh, my God. This What's is this Sorry, I just realised that that just probably came out from nowhere. I have a habit of doing that. <laughs> That's okay. We wanted to record um, us admitting you because I'm a bit nervous because we don't do guests. Um, do you know what? I was just saying to Rebecca that I'm nervous because we are the guests. <laughs> I wasn't nervous at all. I'm like, bring him. Let's go. Val's got it. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. I was saying I don't actually really know how to talk to people who aren't Mal um, on a podcast setting. So we'll see how this goes. So welcome guys to honest academia it feels weird it feels like I should have said welcome you know how we say welcome when we normally introduce the podcast obviously it's different now because we've got actual people to talk to um so yeah this is exciting um but this is a very chill podcast a very it's basically we're going to chat and omit things that are maybe inappropriate and keep the rest so everyone can hear sounds good awesome <laughs> Uh, we figured that we would start our session together since we only have 40 minutes being on Zoom and whatnot um, by just explaining, explaining, by just like sharing what our week has been like or our day. So sort of just get into the flow of things. Okay, um, Jodie, why don't you go first? Oh my word, really? <laughs> you know what happened. You could tell, oh yeah, and you could tell everyone about the centrifuge. Was that today? That was yesterday. It actually worked today. I didn't. I didn't break I'm, anything today. I was gonna say, have I missed you like destroying the lab today or something? Oh, Rebecca, I left the lab at like three o'clock yesterday because I was just done. <laughs> I was. I was done. Basically, um, so I had this like fear of the ultra centrifuge, um, when I was trained to use it. And I made a joke reel about it that went viral about this kind of like fear using the ultra centrifuge, not balancing it properly, it going through walls, all those kind of like stories that you're told during training, which doesn't seem like the correct thing to be telling people. But anyway, um, and I was using it and everything was fine and it was great. And then yesterday I went to use it and I went to take my samples out afterwards and I was literally like, where's the tube gone where is, I can't see the tube and the tube was at the bottom of the bucket and it is completely oh, okay. <laughs> collapsed in on itself <laughs> um so I lost my samples yesterday um and I basically I managed to prize out one of the tubes um and it's literally just like folded um the other tube is still in the bucket and I've had to leave it for one of the technicians to try and pry it out we were like poking it with like scalpels like forceps we were like what else what else can we shove in there I was like, like a biro like trying to, try, trying to get out and it's still stuck in there I saw it there today um 
so yeah that that was my day yesterday it was a little bit better today you know I didn't break anything today but I'm still like yeah I, I don't know I'm scared to do anything new this week it's good that I'm not doing the dissections this week because I feel like that would go wrong <laughs> I feel like you've left your mark on the building like what if that's still there in like 10 years to come and they put up like a plaque or something I don't know or a sign saying <laughs> yeah. please be very careful <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I've put a little sticket note saying, I'm sorry, sad face. <laughs> <laughs> so I felt really bad leaving it for someone else. I was I was down there for quite a while, you know, seeing what I could grab to try and prize it out. And then one of the technicians was like, oh, if you've got stuff to be doing, it's fine. Just leave it for me. And I was like, no, 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 I'll try. And I tried for like another half hour. And then I was like, I'm not going to be able to get this out. It literally like suctions itself to the inner wall. Um, and so, yeah, I just left a little note saying, I'm sorry, sad face. And it was still there. So <laughs> I don't use equipment like that. Um, is that the big thing that spins around? Yes, it's like a, a giant tumble dryer, basically. The evil tumble dryer. <laughs> what do you use it for? Is it samples? Um, yeah, so I'm using it to basically separate out um, vesicles that contain my protein of interest. Um, so it just spins it really fast and then pellets the stuff that you need at the bottom. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and then the stuff that I needed at the bottom was covered in collapsed plastic tubing. So... <laughs> That's how my week's gone so far, girl. I felt that. That was that was pain laughter. That was. <laughs> it was fine. <laughs> One tear. I like the emoji that's got the little tiny smile, like the really thin line smile, and the single tear. I feel like that's my face now. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I saw that you did another reel about him. It the karma of the centrifuge I couldn't not I couldn't but I've realized now a couple of people have commented and my fiance actually said I look like I'm sneezing in that video so like fair, I didn't know what you were doing I was like is she, is she dabbing is, is it called a dab I don't know how to do it a dab. I don't think anyone's dabbed in since like 2017 I'm obviously not down with the kids. My, my sister's 15 and she confirmed that no one dabs anymore. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> so that was Jodie's week. Um, love that. <laughs> um, Rebecca, do you have anything interesting to report? It's Yeah, it's not been too bad, actually. I kind of had a really like week from hell the other week because um, I've been trying to do a little bit of gene cloning in the lab and... It wasn't working and it was something super basic that should have just, you know, those kind of experiments where your supervisor is like, oh, yeah, it'll just take a week and it'll be done. It it was not <laughs> done in a week. <laughs> you know, it's like there should be like a narrator in the background that's just like it did not take a week <laughs> or like it flashes to like three weeks later. Um, but yeah, so I kind of had my week from hell the other week where I was just constantly chucking bacteria on plates, trying to get them to grow. And every morning, like Jodie saw this, I would come up to the lab with my plates, nothing on them, and just like frisbee them into the bin and start the same thing over again. <laughs> but um, it worked. So I've had kind of a good week. So kind of the opposite to Jodie, I guess. Yeah, we kind of alternate. So we're in the same lab. So it's only fair that, you know, I, I take the shift this week and then hopefully I get to have a good week next week, vice versa. Uh, 
I think that is how it works, right? Yeah, definitely. No one in the lab can have like, not everyone can have a good week at the same time. It just does not work like that. It's like science knows that one person's having a good week and they're a bit like, mm, no, I'm not going to give any more goods to anyone. You can wait. <laughs> but yeah, that's that happens in our lab. <laughs> Okay, well, I'm glad you had a good week. Uh, yeah, me too. I hope that kind of pattern isn't a, a general PhD thing. I'll have to ask the guys in my lab if that's the case. Um, but, um, I didn't know that you guys were in the same lab. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, I guess that's obviously how this podcast came about then, right? Maybe another interesting thing would be to talk about how you sort of give us a brief overview of your podcast, right? Since it is about women in STEM. And the month is about women in STEM, for us anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, it was kind of our little crazy lockdown project that started. It's almost been a year now, actually. I was uh, thinking about it the other day. Um, and it was when we were both completely stuck at home. No one was allowed in labs yet. It was right at the beginning. And I don't know, just reading all of like the, like, you know, scrolling through the news and hearing about how... Um, the pandemic and everything was going to set back equality and how women already were publishing less while women, while men were like, oh, this is great. I can sit at home and write so many papers um, and just kind of feeling really fed up about that. And then I think I texted Jodie being like, want to do a podcast? And that's how it kind of, that's how it happened. I don't know if it was the same for you guys, but um, yeah. And then, yeah, so we started recording and it's a podcast about equality and feminism in STEM. And we've talked to so many cool people like that's it's one of the positives I think that's come out of this really awful year that we've got to talk to so many cool people. I don't know if you feel the same, Jodie. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think like in the absence of being able to network in person and go to conferences and events and and make friends and like starting a PhD in a pandemic really sucks because I know nobody in my cohort. Um, we've got a WhatsApp chat, but like you don't know each other and I don't know nobody really messages like I'll send like I don't know a, a funny meme and I'll get like one reply like ha and I'm like okay <laughs> so it, it's, it's been really hard to try and like gel with people so I feel like having a podcast is like hey come talk on the podcast and it's like a nice kind of intro um so we've definitely met and talked to loads of people that then we've kind of stayed in contact with it's really nice so I think it's a really good way to network especially at the moment um but yeah I enjoy it I mean I like to talk so it's like talking and awesome people combined is my hobby so <laughs> I love that I was um I listened to your latest podcast with um Professor Selena Ray and oh my god it was so good um because she's from like the town next door to where I'm from um good old South Yorkshire um so it was really great to listen to like her experiences um, on that note though I think that's a, a pretty good place to start talking about women in STEM and maybe perceptions that we see um, positive and negative, um, our encounters with it, and then also how we think we could sort of battle the negative ones. I was going to say for positives, I mean, <laughs> it's quite hard to think of them, but which sounds really depressing, but I guess maybe women are sometimes seen as more um, approachable when it comes to teaching and people coming to you to ask questions if they're not sure about what to do like 
either in like a lecture scenario or like in the lab that's mm. what I feel I don't know if you agree Jodie yeah I think so I think that's a, like a double-edged sword though because yeah. I feel like that's why maybe the workload divide isn't equal um sure, because sure. you know women put more time into things like mentorship um because they're approachable and because mentees you know come like I, I get a number of messages on like the Instagram can you help me with personal statements can you help me with this can you help me with that and it's like this additional kind of workload that maybe our male counterparts are not having to kind of do so I do think that, that can be a negative um but yeah, I think like um, as far as kind of mentor schemes and helping each other and just like the PhD community kind of vibe that I get from women that are working in science. I definitely get that more from from women, non-binary people working in science than I do from the men that I know that are doing PhDs and things like that. So, um, but yeah, the, definitely the like being approachable, um, but not so much for like guidance and problem solving and things like that. I mean, I go to Rebecca quite a lot you know what what was that dilution that you use um what where was that antibody <laughs> you know I, I, do, I do go to her a lot but um I I think also just on the basis that you're able to moan about your day like I think that's really important and I think that women are, tend to be a little bit less judgmental like I can say to you guys that I completely lost all my samples yesterday the you know and and it went wrong and you won't think I'm a bad scientist whereas I feel like if I said that to some of the guys that I know that work in the lab and I said oh I made this mistake then they might be like hmm she's not very good at that you know so I, I feel less judged basically by by women in this space that was a very long way for me to say that <laughs> I enjoyed it to be fair um... <laughs> we love a thorough explanation that's, that's what we're here for um that's quite interesting though um I think it'd be interesting in a sense to get maybe obviously we can't right now but get like a guy's take on that because I've alhamdulillah been very fortunate but uh, alhamdulillah thank god um, been very fortunate enough to be in a lab where the males in the labs are nothing like that at all like I'll make mistakes and I'm never judged for that but that also could just be the lab that I'm in and the people that I'm surrounded by so it's obviously depending on your circumstance and everything like that but um yeah I definitely hear the whole um, it's easier to talk to a woman um especially and it's it's kind of a thing that we do anyway outside of academia we share what our days are like um and obviously that would spread to the women in STEM and so it's nicer for us to be able to um sort of express our concerns even if it's like menial things or something quite big like I'm trying to think of anything that's positive about being a woman in STEM but like Rebecca said it's quite depressing because I'm like I think maybe that you can be a role model for someone else um mm. I guess that could be it because I mean I don't know about anyone else but I definitely didn't know I could be a scientist when I was at school um because I was I took like psychology and biology and chemistry and I loved like biochem and, and uh, biology and I loved psychology but I didn't know that neuroscience really existed either so I probably going back I probably would have chosen to do neuroscience but I ended up doing psychology but loved psychology anyway um but yeah like knowing like people to look up to and people who've done that sort of thing and um yeah I didn't I had no idea that I could have a job being a researcher I thought if you did science you became a like biology teacher or something 
or you worked in industry. I didn't really understand the whole PhD pathway um, into like research at university. So I guess, I hope that I could potentially be like a role model um, for people like where I'm from or just people who see me on Instagram. Isn't it bad that we can't really think of anything positive? Other than the social aspect of the the community side of things, I don't know the positives of being a woman in STEM, other than the social and the whole like being a role model. But don't you feel like some of that social, that solidarity is there because of the difficulties of being a woman in STEM? I feel like this kind of, what's the word? Is it camaraderie? Camaraderie, whatever it's called. I feel like, whatever the word is, I'm trying to be posh, but I'm not. Um, (laughs) But, you know, this kind of like, we're all in it together sort of attitude and bringing each other up and and um you know spurring each other on I feel like maybe that wouldn't be there as much if there wasn't a need for that um yeah I'm not sure where I was going but (laughs) I think it's true though because like I think historically there's been like this old boys club in science which for sure Mm. still exists but they don't have that's just the way it's always been for them whereas I think for women and other gender minorities in STEM there's more this sense of urgency that we've got to kind of overcome things in our community which I think is quite nice to have I mean obviously wish it wasn't like that but uh it's nice silver linings anyway (laughs) do you think we can think of any more positives before we go (sighs) oh my god you know (laughs) let me see we get paid less we work more we find it harder to climb up the ladder we get published less. So no, I don't think I can think of any positives right now. <laughs> oh. I thought your um your story about your Instagram reel was quite interesting, Beth, because I think there's this thing where and I'm sure it affects men as well, but I think particularly for women, where if you're a woman and you're a scientist, you kind of can't be your whole self outside of science. You have to be like quote unquote respectable and there's this whole idea of you fitting into this scientist box where you're super serious you don't wear makeup or whatever and you just sit in your lab coat all day and just have no fun so dumb (laughs) yeah it's like you put into a box I think that exactly what you said Rebecca um they try and put you in this box and if you don't fit into this box perfectly and wonderfully um you just get hate for it or like oh you mm. can't be a scientist or you must not be very good then um I think I mentioned a paper ages ago on my Instagram and it was about let me try to think about it women it was about women who do like science communication I think um or who publicly present their science um and they'd got other women to discuss what they thought about those women and most of the the words that they used to describe them were like all negative really and these were coming from other women describing these women um which I thought was quite interesting um but yeah exactly like if you don't fit into that box then you can't be good when really we're all multifaceted human beings Mm. can't just be one thing can you it's Mm. kind of this mad idea as well that if you have other interests outside of science you can't be that passionate about science and Mm. this whole idea that being like tied to the lab 
all the time is like a measure of how passionate you are about it which is just it's mad <laughs> but like I thought that that was true as well and I've and I I've kind of spoken about this and I think that it's the belief that everything else in your life needs to be on hold while you're doing like while you're completing grad school while you're doing your PhD whatever and there's always the next step right oh I'm just gonna get my degree I'm just gonna do my master's I'm just gonna do my PhD oh I just want to get this this far in my career and I think there's already there's always the reason to kind of like focus 100% on that pathway and let other things kind of like slip by put other things on hold and it's something that it only over the last like couple of years really um that I've started to think about how you know you need to treat I, I definitely treat my PhD like a job so I think it's like um it's easier that I've come from being a research assistant where I would kind of treat that as a nine to five job um and then come into like being a PhD student and trying to see them as the same thing or trying to treat them in the same way because I think things like trying to manage a relationship and like planning on getting married and like wanting to have a family and, and all those other things that you would do in any other job I'm trying to make sure that I'm not kind of like neglecting those things as well and I think like I think that's definitely harder if you're a woman or if you're a person that wants to go and have a family and and have children because it's always something in the back of your mind and I know we've spoke about this before but like I I feel like there's never going to be a right time for me to kind of like have children or have a family because if I was a man then I wouldn't have to take a massive chunk of time out of my career it wouldn't really affect the way that I progress um but because I'm a woman I really need to think about how to limit the impact that that's going to have that timeout's going to have and like I've heard some people like talk about whether they think the pay gap exists or not and and whether it's just a reflection of the confidence gap even though we're there with the report like this is the report from this year this is a 17 percent pay gap <laughs> there is a pay gap this is the pay gap and they're like mm, does it exist and you know some people do say is it just because women have children and, and, you know, take more time out of, of their career? Is that why they're not being paid as much because they're then not at work as much, blah, blah, blah. and it's like trying to like justify these things. So I do think they go hand in hand. Um, but I don't think it's fair to be like, Oh, it's not the confidence, like the confidence gap is a real thing. The pay gap isn't it's because uh, women have children. It shouldn't be that way. It should, you know, there's, the, yeah. like, the blame gets put on the women it's like oh you like these things you not being able to succeed even though you want these other things in your life that's on you you're just not confident enough instead of it being the whole system's not designed to accommodate us to succeed like that mm -hmm. and it needs to go yeah. in the bin I like how you said Rebecca about the whole system's just not designed to accommodate because mm. like you mentioned it science used to be the old boys club um when they didn't have to think about people taking time off to produce another human being out of their own bodies like I, I like you said it's it is always in the back of your mind like I don't know if I do want children yeah but I do always think right so after my PhD I'm going to do a postdoc but then if that's one year or if that ends up being three years then how old am I going to be and if I do want children like when am I going to have these children um because I will have to take time off and it's not just the take, taking the time off. You don't just go back and everything's the same as it was. Like with science, things progress so quickly. There'll be new techniques to learn. There'll be probably new systems or programming languages that the lab might use. And you end up being 
so far behind that I can imagine it's it can be quite difficult to kind of feel like you can catch up and then also mm. can you imagine like doing the amount of work people do for PhDs or any job in academia and then going home and, and supporting this small human like mm. it, it is it's quite frightening to have to think about that that's what I think is quite annoying yeah and I, I've heard women being spoke about in like a negative way because of the fact that they've had time out and they've had children. I remember when I was applying, so about a year ago, when I was applying for a bunch of PhDs, um, and there was one PhD that I was really interested in. It was a, fe- a female PI, um, and sh- she's brilliant, really love her work, and I had like a one-to-one chat with her. I was really keen, I applied. And I asked, um, there was a couple of people that had been mentored uh, by her, and and they or they had been kind of super supervised uh, by her and so I naturally kind of said you know what's her kind of mentor style or supervising style what she like and all this and um and it was a a male PhD student that actually said and I wouldn't really rate her like um she wasn't here for a long time because she had a kid and then she wasn't able to be around much because she had to go home for the kid and then she had another kid and it was like okay so you're saying that all these negative things because she's had two children um but like not really telling me much about like what she what she's what she's like as a person like that's what I'm trying to ask um and it was just like the whole conversation was just like these negatives about how yeah how she had basically like taken time out to have children and I was a bit like "Hmm, okay so that's your takeaway here and then like after I'd probed a little bit and was like okay but what you know what's it like on a daily basis does she micromanage things like that actually they had a lot of positive things to say um about the way that she like teaches and um you know manages what they're doing and it but it was the fact that I had to get past the kind of oh she's had children (laughs) before I could actually find out what kind of supervisor she was so that was that was something I thought oh so even if I'd stay in academia and you know I do do well go on and want to have my own lab is that something that is going to be looked upon negatively if I also want to have a family is that automatically going to make me less desirable as a mentor you know it is really interesting because when you think about it in any other job would anyone even question anyone having children like a teacher Obviously, it's quite a heavily female profession, but no one would even question them going off and, and having a baby. Like a nurse, I don't, I don't think again heavily female profession. I don't, I don't think they would. Again, this is my own um, opinions, but in academia, it does seem that, like I say, because it is that old boys' club. I guess it is slightly changing, but obviously, there's still a lot more work to be done. Um, yeah, it seems as if, like you said, it'll that's what comes up first mm-hmm. but actually it's their skills that should be coming and up I've, I've totally heard horror stories of people going for postdoc interviews and being asked if they're going to have kids which 100% is illegal and if mm-hmm. anyone asks you that in an interview report them to HR because that's illegal you can't do that and the fact that it's still happening is like it's horrendous that people will consider not hiring you on the basis that you might be a risk of going off and having kids you know yeah definitely some negatives yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I would like to mention is um on Instagram today one of our friends um Kim Kimberly I don't know if she prefers Kimberly I'm gonna call it Kimberly or the path PhD as her tag is tag is known as 
I'm going to call it a tag. Um, she posted about, she's getting married and it was about the concept of like changing your name. Um, and it sparked some really interesting discussions um, about name changes, um, like for women, because it usually does affect women. Um, and about how that would affect your career, because obviously a lot of people do start off with one name and then if they get married and they choose to change the name, it can affect kind of not their reputation but obviously if you've got quite a few citations with one name and you want them to change like what what's everyone's like feelings about the whole name change would you I'm a big advocate for not changing your name but that's not purely on an academic basis it's, it's on a personal basis at an Islamic standpoint um, women don't change their name in Islam so. that's really interesting my personal like gut instinct is that I'm not a fan it just feels kind of like icky like if I'm totally fine for other people do whatever you want to do whatever is good for you but it's it's not for me I don't think but one thing I find really interesting actually I think Jodie or you might be the perfect person to ask about this is how you combine potentially changing your name after getting married with your title once you've got your PhD because for me in my head I would think about I don't know, I'd feel kind of weird being Dr. someone else's name. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's that's for me. That's my own personal take on it. But I'd be interested to know what yours is. I think because you're so near the end of your PhD, really, we're like polar opposites and I've only just started. Yeah. So although I've done a lot of, uh, you know, I've worked really hard in my degree and my master's and working and things like that, I feel like because I'm so near the beginning of my PhD and I'll be getting married next April, then maybe I would have had the name for long enough that becoming doctor new surname it it won't be so weird um rather than going through the majority of the blood sweat and tears um in one name and then putting the other name on the piece of paper but um (laughs) I think that um this this post that Kimberly done it, it really did make me think because I think it's really common for, so I asked for some um, advice from this women scientist group that I'm in, because I, I didn't I didn't know what the kind of thing to do was. And I think like most of the responses were like, don't change your name, um, your, your boyfriend or your fiance didn't earn that PhD or didn't earn that title. And it was that kind of like, why would you change your name? You're not his property, blah, blah, blah. So it was this kind of like standpoint, which I completely understand. Um, but I feel like it's not always straightforward. And I also think that the name that you have currently also comes from a man. It will come from your father or your grandfather. And it because that's the way that it works, or at least in like our culture, it's passed down by the male in, in the family. So I think that although that's what you've been known as as most of your life and that's your identity um it doesn't mean that it's free from kind of ownership of a man <laughs> so I think that sometimes yeah. that kind of comment alone can be a little bit like mm, I don't know um for me I don't I don't like my current surname I don't speak to the family who owns that surname so I feel a real kind of disconnect with the name that that I have um and I've been kind of itching to change it <laughs> so the the fact that I'm going to be getting married and there's the option to take another name is brilliant and I, I want to do that but it's hard um when you have and I think it is a reputation I think you do build up a reputation every kind of 
blog that I write every I'm, I'm I've contributed to a book that's going to be published and that's going to have my my current name in it um I don't have any like actual scientific publications yet but I'm working on one and if that gets published before I'm married what name do I put on that and so I think it's like this extra kind of mental workload that you need to do um because I do worry about it I don't know what the right thing to do is and like some people have said you know keep your maiden name uh, for work purposes and then take take your married name for other things but then that doesn't really solve the problem for me of feeling this kind of dysphoria with my current name like I do want to get rid of it um I wish I changed it earlier probably so that I didn't have my degree and my master's in the name um but yeah so I think it's a much more complex thing than what I initially thought and that's what I think was so good about this post because it sparked this conversation whereby pretty much everyone had like a different viewpoint and a different different reason for changing their name keeping their name combining their name whatever um so I think it's a really complex thing and through this I've kind of found out what ORCID is which I think is great you can get an ORCID ID so that it doesn't matter you know and it's the same for trans people as well if you're going to be changing your name there's a way to link up your publications um so I think like I think if I hadn't had this conversation I wouldn't know that existed so that's something positive that's come out of it um but I feel like I haven't come up with like an actual solution so I think I'm going to change my name but I still feel very weird about it and not in like a negative way. I obviously love my fiance a lot. He's probably in the other room listening. He listens when I'm on calls. Um, and I've said to him, like this book thing that I'm writing, I'm going to put Jodie Barnard, me Parslow. So previously known as Parslow. Um, and I said to him, you know, this is a really big step for me don't you and he's laughing he's like, smiling yeah yeah and I was like no, no no this is really big because you know I've I've worked really hard I've done all these things blah, blah, and then I'm putting down a name that I I'm not yet I'm not yet called that I have no real kind of like you know that's not me yet um but I think like something that someone said to me really stuck and it was that yes you've worked hard for all these qualifications and for your career but you've also worked hard for this relationship it's hard work to keep a relationship going alongside doing something like a PhD um, it's hard work to get to the point where you are going to be getting married and you're going to commit to commit to that with each other um, so I think that that should be worn as a badge of honour as well and so that's the way that I'm looking at it rather than losing my identity and you know letting a man take ownership of my name or whatever the other kind of nuances are of that um I'm looking at it positively as a way to get rid of a name that I don't like um and also kind of celebrate a relationship that I hold really close obviously I hold really dearly does that make sense that was like a really I kind of went off so, in like a speech <laughs> I think I think it's so interesting because I think you really like explain that it's I think it's especially with cisgender women that it's so easy to just sort of jump on this oh you don't need to be owned by a man and like jump in the comments and be like like shouldn't change your name but like I think you raised some really interesting points that like you say it can be linked to like past identities or connections with family that you might not want to maintain or like you say with the whole um orchid ident um orchid number being linked uh, being like super important for for example people who've transitioned and I think it's just it's complicated right and I think it's really easy to forget that yeah I mean the only thing I will say about name changes is I don't like that it's assumed and so quite importantly right. I am going to be taking 
my fiance's name and that is an active decision that I thought about a lot and I've decided on but what I don't like is that before he had even popped the question uh people are saying oh you're going to be the new Mrs Barnard you know and it's like <laughs> just assuming that I'm going to take the name that's what I didn't like um and I, I and it is mostly the older generations. I feel like talking to you here, like nobody would assume that, but I feel like the parents and the grandparents um, would still assume that as the norm. Um, so I feel like if I went against that, or again, in, just in our culture, but um, I feel like if I went against that, then maybe people would be like, oh yeah, she thinks she's so la-di-da. <laughs> <laughs> she's too good to take her husband's name. Ooh. <laughs> I think it's just so interesting how complex it is um and it's something I honestly hadn't even really thought about um I, just, I mean it's, it's probably because I'm not engaged or like gonna be getting married at any point soon um but I just honestly hadn't really thought thought it through and I think in my head I I do think I probably will keep my own but that's only because it's a connection to someone who's not here anymore and um, so it's quite a personal connection yeah. for me culturally yeah as a Bengali we do change our names um, so my mom changed her name after she married my dad. Um, but I um, have now, well, obviously a big love for my culture um, in certain aspects. Obviously, lots of cultures have their own toxic traits or whatever. Um, but I am sort of more focused on the Islamic side of things. Um, I'm very proudly Muslim. If anyone wants to ever ask me, but yeah, I'm Muslim. I have a prayer mat. I literally will pray anywhere. So um, I only recently found out that Islamically, like that's actually just not the thing that you do. You keep your surname that you grew up with because that is like lets people know the family that you're from. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm not going to be changing my surname. That's really that. And that's not really a, an academic thing or anything. Um, I think my only thing or like issue as such would be say if the person I was with decided they had a problem with it but it doesn't really like it shouldn't it, to be honest of course you know you'll be my partner you'll be my like in Islam the other half of my deen which is religion in Islam um but at the end of the day it's my it's my choice whether I change my name or not so if someone I, and I've heard like through the grapevines stories where men are like oh you you have to change your name like you can't just marry me and then not become Mrs my surname which is so weird and so dumb um and that that bit irks me a little bit but yeah. obviously none of you guys have spoken about that so it's calm um yeah I think it is it is very true that the people really do jump to assumptions and especially people from the older generations but obviously they grew up in a different time um which is not necessarily an excuse but it's a way to understand sort of how they've decided to come about those things but um it is definitely very important that you don't just jump to those kinds of conclusions. Like you don't know people's context. And for example, your context, JD, in terms of you not wanting to have that connection to that past, like part of your life, like that's well within the right and no one should be able to say anything to you about that. So before we decide to wrap up our episode on women in academia, um, it's important to touch upon the topic of women of color in academia as well. So obviously um, women in academia face their own troubles, but women in colour will face um, different ones, um, similar, but also additional ones. And I wanted to get you guys, since you know, you're all Caucasian, if I am 
correct um your your views on how you know have you noticed anything are you aware of things about like that women and women of color might have to deal with like say such as myself um that you could obviously assume none of you bar Beth um know me that well um I personally just so you know um I'm Bengali and you know 100% but born and bred in London um and I've been fortunate enough to have a very good time in academia have been surrounded by amazing people um but I am not a monolith I don't speak for my entire ethnicity or even the bracket of women colour and STEM and I wish I could to be honest I have had a really really good time in academia but um I, yeah so I just wanted to get your sort of like what do you you know not not feel but like you know how do you maybe see women in colour women of colour in, in academia um are there things and this is a very open honest podcast are there maybe things that you're not so sure about that you could ask me and I could maybe give my two cents on or are there things that you're like how can I be better as an ally say it's so interesting and I think I I it's probably the same for you and Beth Jodie when I say that I've even in the last year alone I've kind of learned so much that really should have been on my mind a lot more as like as someone who kind of champions equality and women in STEM in particular, I think it's so easy to fall into the trap of um, white feminism and focusing on that in STEM. Um, so to give an example, like of one thing I've noticed, because I think that's what you're asking, Mal. Um, so over the, I don't know if you guys noticed or were sort of aware of the Black In movements. Um, so particularly because Jodie and I are both neuroscientists, I was kind of following along with the black in neuro um, movement and like just basically being really annoying at work and being like, guys, go to this. It's so cool. Um, but honestly, I was in awe. like I was just looking at some of the profiles and kind of I'd been aware of like, obviously, as women in STEM, we're all kind of familiar with like, oh, we have to work twice as hard as a man to get as far and then I was kind of already familiar with the phrase of like for example black women having to work five times as hard just to get a foot in the door but I'd never really kind of pictured what this looks like and just sort of looking through some of the profiles in black in Nero and just seeing like how much work people have done even before they've got to a PhD I was just mm -hmm. honestly like in awe and kind of became like I was a bit more aware of the things that I maybe haven't had to do as much in some respects because I'm obviously a white woman in STEM and just sort of just really being in awe of all of the amazing stuff like they'd be doing they'd have papers already and maybe like a social justice movement they'd started by themselves on the side and then also doing outreach and like all of the things just to get in the door it just kind of really made me realize how much extra work that um, women of color in STEM really have to do. And it is always women of color that are leading some of the really effective um, movements and such in STEM to try and make progress, even when they're not necessarily focusing on race. It's always women of color doing the extra work is one thing that for sure I've noticed because, I mean, there's so few in STEM, but every single one that, for example, I know of, they've got a million side projects alongside their own research. and like even white women can get away with not doing that and still succeed in science right 
Yeah, I think you just kind of like hit the nail on the head, really, about that kind of like hierarchy. We say women need to work twice as much, but then there's like a whole nother because you've got white privilege, right? So it's kind of like there's the gender thing and then there's also the we are still privileged. Um so yeah I think the only thing that I'll kind of add to that is that obviously it's not my lived experience I am a white woman so there's not much that I can comment on other than the fact that you know in our podcast we do have guests on we have done um, episodes on being a, a black woman in STEM for example um, and listening to you know their kind of experiences and that's one of the things that this podcast has let us do um, to be able to actually put that time aside and sit down and and say you know just tell us tell us your experiences um and it's like Rebecca said like I think since probably the first lockdown when I had more time and I was at home and I was researching more I was reading more I was engaging more and it was kind of like why was I not doing this like the year before and the year before that and the year before that so I, I do think I've definitely stepped up over the last year um and it's definitely helped talking kind of face to face with with people who can tell me what their lived experience is um and so that's what my kind of advice would be it's kind of like do your research don't ask to be educated by um people of color and and, and black people um kind of you know go away read there's literature out there there's you know there's blogs there's podcasts there's movies like whatever your preference is um go and educate yourself but then when the opportunity arises like the black and neuro um series be present and and listen um so yeah that's something i really enjoyed as well yeah so i i resonate with um what uh jody and rebecca said um about like it's not my lived experience so I don't want to speak for people um for women of colour or anything like that but yeah um I think this year has definitely opened my eyes and it makes me think again like Rebecca said like why wasn't I doing it before um which it should have been something that was at the forefront of mm. everything I was doing and, and it wasn't and like I have to take responsibility for that um but yes, it's it's definitely interesting to learn about um, the experiences of other women and especially women of colour. I think since we became friends, you, you've taught me so much about like your own experience being a, a woman of colour and especially a Bengali Muslim woman um, in academia. And it is mm. it's it's really great for me to learn about other people and other people's backgrounds and um how their backgrounds impact their experience um, um i think for me i would love to see more on um other kinds of people of color in stem so obviously south asian being south asian um east asian uh indigenous i don't see a lot of indigenous women in stem posts and i would love to see more of that i think also a lot of something that's really on my mind as someone who is a woman of colour in STEM is how I would decide to change things as I go up in hopefully inshallah go up in academia in terms of ranking and how I would move move things like that on I think a big part of me wants to have like a huge proportion of my life like I'm not going to be the only person in academia who say studies brain stimulation and social perception there'll be other experts so I would hope that my kind of lab would be very heavy 
in its melanin, you know? Um, and I'd be excited about that. Also, like, I don't see a lot of, uh, there's quite a lot of Muslims in STEM, um, but not a lot of Muslims that say look like myself. So that's like a whole, especially Muslim women who look like myself in, in academia, that's a whole different bubble in and of itself. Like if you get Muslim women in STEM, a lot of them are hijabi, um, which obviously I love, of course, but I'm not a hijabi. So that's like a whole different aspect of things. That's something I would like to explore. But obviously not in the two minutes, 55 seconds that's remaining on this meeting. On Zoom. <laughs> yeah, but like I said, I'm very blessed, um, alhamdulillah, to not have had any um, any backlash in that sense, or at least nothing that I've internalised. I think my only fear with doing a PhD was if I was to leave the lab that I was, I've known since my undergrad, I would potentially be going into a lab that would find it weird that I would literally just stop what I'm doing, go to the bathroom, come back with a wet face, and sort of whip out a prayer mat and start praying in the corner. Um, but yeah, like I said, very, very lucky, very, very blessed. Big shout out to Vanity Lab. Yeah. Oh my gosh, we have less than a minute, everyone. So I'd just like to say okay. thank you so much for coming on here. Thanks. We really appreciate it. Thanks thank for being our first guest. Oh yeah. Anything you want to leave the people with? Leave the people with the um, closing closing remarks closing remarks um yeah just that it's important to remember that everyone's experiences are different um mm. like we're all different people we've all got different backgrounds we've got different ethnicities and we'll come to academia with having different experiences before we get here and then when we're here we'll probably have different experiences because of potentially our gender and because of our um, ethnicity um so I think it's just important to remember that to be respectful of everyone um regardless of where they're from of their ethnicity or their gender oh I would like to second that comment and yeah just be kind you know it's just a lot easier just just a lot simpler to be a nice person and as always thank you for listening to me and Beth and thank you to Beth for having me on this podcast forever I guess ever and ever. Um, yeah that's it I hope whenever you're listening to this wherever you're listening to this whatever you're doing whatever you're dealing with that you are well and that you're happy and healthy and if not um, we are obviously sending good, good vibes, as Beth loves to say. Um, your way. <laughs> what is it? Cheery, wholesome vibes. Wholesome vibes. Yeah, wholesome vibes. I think it's cheery as well. Cheery, wholesome vibes. I think that's Who says it. cheery, wholesome vibes? I think um, I, I might have said it once, and I think I wrote it on all the posts that we post things on. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. Cheery, wholesome vibes. It is. <laughs> And yeah, with that, signing off. Yeah. <laughs>